Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us and your blessings. We thank you that we can come together like this and learn about you and hear your words, Father God. We thank you for the word that you gave us during the worship. We ask you that you would bless this message and let it be your words and let it speak to your people. In your name, amen. Amen. Praise God. So if you don't know me, my name is Tim Chapman. I'm the senior commander of the Royal Rangers here at the church. Uh, If you don't know what that is, Royal Rangers is a mentorship and discipleship program for young men that uh, is throughout the Assemblies of God. Uh, the, the current theme for Royal Rangers that they put out from the national office is live the adventure. And so today, the question that I've come to ask you is, are you living the adventure? Now, what do you think of when you think of an adventure? You don't think of safety. You don't think of boredom, do you? Yet church has become a very safe and boring place. No, an adventure is something exciting. It's something that involves risk, right? It's something that you think, oh, this might be a little bit dangerous, but I want to see what happens here. I mean, we all have seen those adventure movies that we like, right? I've read the books about adventures. When I think of adventure, I think of the Lewis and Clark expedition. Now, if you're not familiar with that, uh, it goes back to an early part of our country where uh, they had just purchased um, the Louisiana Purchase, which is land, all the land west of the Mississippi River. And if you know anything about the geography of the United States, when you go west of the Mississippi, all that land is wide open and huge and vast. And the government needed to know what was out there. It needed to know how much land there was, it needed to know what it just got its hands on and what they were going to do with it. And they went to two men, Lewis and Clark, and they told them to get an expedition together. Now, this expedition was fraught with perils and unknowns. They had no idea how the various tribes that were in these lands were going to react to them or treat them. They didn't know what kind of dangerous animals would be out there that they would encounter. They didn't know how far it really was, how long it was going to take, or if they had enough supplies. There was a lot of risk and a lot of reasons for them to say no. I'm sure they thought pretty hard that they could very well lose their lives on this expedition. But they had been called. And they also knew that with the risk, there was an excitement. There was a potential. They could blaze new trails. They could see things that no one in the modern world had ever seen. They could see go places no Europeans had ever gone. No one but the native tribes have ever seen these things or been to these places. And they would get a chance to record it and blaze trails for others to follow. Likewise, I think of the Bible when I think of adventure. The Bible is God's holy word, but it's also a collection of adventures, of adventures of men and women that God invited them to come along to his adventure. They had to take risk. They had to step out. And oftentimes there was great reward for that. I myself have just completed an adventure fraught with danger. Our Royal Rangers of Outpost 31, five boys and myself, 
traveled with our district to Camp Eagle Rock, Missouri. We drove there for National Camperama. <clears throat> now, this is a national event that um, had three and a half thousand men and boys from around the world, all right? And it took us about three days of traveling. Now, if you're thinking driving halfway across the country with a group of boys doesn't really sound that risky, then you've never been cooped up in a van with 11 young boys. That's a risky proposition. And if you know boys, it's especially for your nose. That van was not smelling too good by the end of that trip. Oh, thankfully, I was in the commander's truck. I didn't have to be in the van too much. Along the way, we did a lot of different things. We went to Niagara Falls. We visited the AMA Motorcycle Museum. We explored and swam in the James River in Missouri. We went to a treetop canopy trail where we traveled along bridges suspended up to 50 feet in the air. Now, of course, there are safety rails, there are do not, do not touch signs, there are rules and guidelines. And that doesn't mean much to young boys. A safety rail means to them, oh, this is something I want to climb and get on the other side of. A do not touch sign means, oh, let me go check that out. It might be cool to touch, right? In the heart of boys is that sense of excitement and danger and adventure. And hopefully, it's in our hearts as well. That was put there by God because God wants to call each and every one of us to an adventure with him. And it takes that spirit, that heart of wanting to see, even though there are risks, even though there are dangers, wanting to take that step and find out what's going to happen. It takes that heart to be willing to accept the invitation when God gives it to us. This is how Jesus did his ministry. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 4. And I will tell you, every one of us has been called to an adventure. It's not all going to look the same. It's not all going to be the same. My adventure of traveling across country is one way. Some people have traveled to Haiti. So it's not all going to look the same. But it's all going to be an adventure. So Matthew 4 Verse 17. And this is taking place right after Jesus has been in the wilderness and been tempted by the enemy. And he's now ready to begin his ministry. So his ministry is starting at this point. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, my backstory and what it's taken to bring me to this moment and to my ability to go on that adventure with those boys. I'm originally from the South. Um, I grew up in South Carolina. And I had joined the Army years back. And that is how I ended up in Quincy, Massachusetts. The Army stationed me here. Not of my choice, but all things were in God's hands. And while up here, I got involved with the church And I knew that God had been telling me he was bringing me out of the army. He was giving me a time to come out of the army. Now, in my mind, what I thought was, oh, yeah, I'll get out. I'll go back home. I'll do whatever, you know. But that's not what God had for me to do. He had me to stay put. And he knew that I would be here without the support of my family, without the support of loved ones. But that meant that I had to rely on him and his support, right? Now, when I got out, he didn't say, okay, here's the plan. You're going to step out. You're going to get this job. Don't worry, it's already taken care of. You're going to make this much money. You'll have this taken care of. You're all set. No, he just said, get out. And so I got out, started going back to school. I had some money saved up. And, you know, I figured, okay... I'll get some money for my education stuff. I have the savings. That'll hold me through until, uh, you know, God brings whatever's next along. Well, that didn't happen. God allowed me to go through my savings to where we had nothing left, and the money coming in from education wasn't enough, especially when summer came around and I wasn't in school. And it was hard. Didn't know what was going to happen. Now, thankfully, God opened a door for me to get a job working with Father Bills. But still, that by itself wasn't enough. And so through school and working with Father Bills, together I had enough. But in the summertime, still, you know, all I had was the job, and that's not enough by itself. And then this opportunity came for Camp Arama. Now, I knew that summer was a tough time for us. And I knew that money was tight. But I chose, because I believe God was leading me, to take my vacation time and my money and sacrifice it because I knew that if I wasn't willing to go, we probably wouldn't get very many boys, if any, to go. Right? I think out of all the boys that went with our group, there was only one who was there without a commander from his church. So I could tell you right there, boys want to know that one of their commanders is there, one of their leaders is there, so that they're not all alone. So I chose to make that sacrifice because I thought God was calling me to this adventure. And as I'm going to tell you, it allowed God to move and do amazing things. So let's go back and look at this passage again. And I'm going to just start with 21. Verse 21, and going on from there, he saw another two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the boat and their fathers and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel, 
of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So because they answered the call, they were able to walk with Jesus, hear his teaching, and witness him healing people. I mean, who would like to see that? Amen? I mean, that is a mighty work that they're getting to be involved in. If they would have said, you know what, I got a good job here. I'm not doing it. They would have missed that. And let's, and let's think about what they're going through, right? Imagine a preacher comes to your uh, place of business where you work and says to you, all right, uh, I know you don't really know me, but I want you to quit your job and follow me. And you're like, well, are you, are you going to offer me a new job? Nope, I got no money. But I want you to quit your job and follow me. What are you going to think? You're like, I don't know you. Who, who is this guy telling me to quit my job? You know, no, that's okay. You go ahead. That's a risky proposition. And what would they have told their wives when they got home, right? It's like, hey, honey, I'm home. Oh, you're early from, from fishing. What's going on? Oh, I quit my job. You quit your job? Why? Some guy named Jesus, he came and said to follow him, so I quit. Okay, he offered you a new job? No. No, he's basically homeless. He just travels around preaching good news to people, telling them to uh, stop sinning. I mean, if that happened to us, I mean, let's be honest. We put ourselves in that situation. That's crazy. That's crazy. We won't do that. Well, we want to be safe, right? We want to know that we're getting our paycheck. We want to know that our pills are paid. We don't want to live that dangerous. But that's the adventure, right? The adventure has danger. The adventure has risk. And the benefit of it is where there's great risk, there's great reward. Jesus paid the disciples back by building a relationship with them, teaching them, letting them see miracles. And then what happened to them? They went out and they did miracles. And it just multiplied. When we got to Missouri, this, this was an amazing trip all along. There was hardships, okay? We, we had lots of flat tires. I got to change most of them. That was fun. Uh, we had, one was a blowout. We dented a rim because it was so bad. Uh, we got off our schedule. We got delayed. It was hot. It was sweaty. It was humid. But we never let the enemy take our joy. All of the men and all of the boys, we just melded together. And it was just such a good spirit there that I know that God was working. The boys got along great, even though they didn't know each other. They worked well with each other. There was no fighting. There was no drama. There was no bickering. There was no complaining. It was just amazing. And, and if, you've, if you've been on trips, right, with, with young people, you know things happen. Drama happens. It's, it's natural. But, but God just made the way. And what was interesting is two boys, they, although they didn't remember it, actually hated each other from a previous camp. And for whatever reason, they, neither one of them remembered each other. And they became almost best friends on this trip. And on our way back, just talking about different stuff, one of them remembered the other one and said, wait, I remember you. I hated you. And they both just started laughing over the fact that they had hated each other. But now that they didn't, I believe 100% that that was God that blinded those memories to heal that so that they could get what God had for them. And what did God have for them? 
When we got there, when we got there, we went to the services, and immediately God began working. Boys were praying for each other to be healed. We had a severe sunburn that was healed through the uh, prayer of the boys. We had an outpouring of the Spirit. I saw young men down on the ground before God, weeping and crying out and praying for others. I saw boys filled with the Holy Spirit. I saw boys praying over the commanders who had had headaches and migraines and those being healed instantly. And for hours, our boys prayed outside in the heat, in the humidity, in the bugs, after the music had stopped, after the lights turned out, because God was doing something, because they took the risk, they went on the adventure, and God blessed them for it. Amen? And when we, when we get that call and we take it, God's going to do amazing things in our life. It's going to be scary. You're going to feel it inside. But he's going to do amazing things. Hallelujah. Oh. Now, the truth is, we're scared, right? Deep down inside, when we think about these things, when we think about what God could call us to do, we get a little scared. When we think about the fact that God could call us to quit our jobs, because he has called some people to, right? That's basically what he called me to. When God calls us to move somewhere, right? It's scary. And some of us, some of us has pushed that down and said, God, no, no, I can't do that. I can't let my life be interrupted. I've got my safety. I've got my security. Sorry. And, and we're so afraid of what God might ask us to do that we're actually hindering him from moving in our lives because we don't want to, the risk. And we forget the reward that's going to be there. We have already made up our minds that we're just going to sit safely in our pew. We will love him and pray and try not to sin, but our lives, that can't be interrupted. And then we wonder why church is boring, right? Why is church boring? Why is being a Christian boring? I'll tell you, it's because you're trying to control something that isn't yours to control. It's time that we take the hands off the wheel and we give it to God. Once you start letting God control your life, then he's going to start doing amazing things. And yes, it might seem scary at first, but as we see time and time again in his word, it's worth it. And it's better than what we thought it was going to be. And we're more blessed because of it. I tell you, I, I've never been so blessed as seeing those boys do that, seeing those boys pray that way. It did a special thing for me. And I feel like, because this is all tied into spiritual warfare too, right? We allow the enemy to build these strongholds of fear and doubt and whatever else in our lives. And that prevents God getting his work done, the kingdom being built. I mean, think about it. We're basically in a war zone, right, as Christians. We're, we're at war. We're in the battlefield. But we're acting like it's a vacation, right? I want you to think about a World War II battlefield with me. Think about soldiers lined up on either side dug into their trenches. The bullets are flying back and forth. The boom of the artillery shells flying through the air is going off. There's explosions, dirt flying everywhere. There's no man's land in the middle where there's craters and barbed wire and smoke and fire and death. And then out there in the middle of that just walks some guy, puts his chair down, sits down, and just enjoys the show, eats some popcorn, 
Like it's no big deal. I mean, think of that image. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Somebody acting like they're not in danger in the middle of a war zone. But we as Christians, we're living that way. We come to church on Sunday, and we, great, we praise God, we hear the word, we love it, and then we go back and we live our life. And, may, and we're not, it's not like we're, I'm saying we're sinning or anything. You know, we're trying to be good Christians, but we're trying to be safe Christians, right? We're trying to just hold on till Jesus comes. If I can just hold on, I'll make it to heaven, right? Well, holding on is not enough. It's not enough because we're in a spiritual war. 2 Corinthians 10, Paul says, For though walking about in flesh, we do not war according to flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshy, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, pulling down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into a captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ and having readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look at things according to appearance? If anyone has persuaded himself that he is Christ, let him think this again as to himself, that he is, as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. It also says in the Bible that it's not against flesh and blood we war, it's against principalities and powers. So we're not fighting other men, we're not using men's weapons, but yet what weapons are we using? How are we doing the spiritual battle? Well, first and foremost, the biggest weapon is God's word, right? That's the sword of the spirit. We have to know God's word. We have to know scriptures like this that talks about spiritual warfare. We have to know what God did in other people's lives. Because when we see what he did in the lives of the disciples, it gives us an inkling what he might be doing in our lives. So we have to know his word. Okay? But there's other things too. And I look at this trip as a reflection. Thankfully, most of us had the word with us. You know, we did devotions every day. It was godly men setting a godly example for these boys. And that really helped us out a lot. But what was another key aspect of this adventure? And it was relationships, okay? The building of relationships. And relationships is key for two reasons. One, if we're going to do spiritual warfare, if we're going to go out into the world and live and stay true to God and do things for God, we're going to need each other, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to need to build those relationships. And where do we do that at? We do that in the church, right? We do that working with each other in ministry. We have to have those close relationships. Just coming, sitting in the pew and going out the door, it's dangerous because it leaves you exposed. You don't have the unity and you don't have the support of your brothers and sisters. We have to have that support. Another reason relationships are important is because they're a game changer when we're trying to reach others for Christ. Now, tracks are great. You know, street preaching is great. Radio preaching is great. All that stuff is good witnessing, but where you really change people is when you begin a relationship with them, and they get to know you as an individual, and know that you're for real, and know that you're different, and know that you, you're not just saying things, but you're living things, and then when you have those relationships, 
God can open up the door for you to allow your light to shine into their lives. He had to establish the relationships between the commanders and the boys first so that these guys could break down their barriers of, you know, having to be tough and whatnot so that God can move in their lives, all right? Another, another thing that uh, impacts spiritual warfare is finances. I know we've talked about stewardship and we've talked about this a lot, but I just want you to think about it from a different angle. Money is how we do spiritual warfare in a lot of ways today. We got the word, but how do we get the word out? Okay? How do we get the word out to the people? We have to have ministries, right? Those boys would not have been able to come if they didn't have the money to get there. It was an expensive trip because you're traveling across country. One boy had to get a scholarship, and that scholarship paid his way so he could go and so that he could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so that's a challenge to us to make sure that we are doing our part to equip the church to be able to do things like that in different ministries. Because it's not just this ministry. It's youth. It's girls' ministry. It's um, generations. It's small group. It's these things that need to be funded. And look how blessed we are that we can pay our pastors so that they can be full-time ministers and focus on that. Because a lot of pastors out there have to work. I know my grandfather, when he started the ministry, he had to work a full-time job. And you do what you got to do, but when they can focus in, they're going to be a better spiritual leader because they can just focus on what God's doing in the church. And when we bless our church, it can grow. And from that growth, hire more ministers to do more things and reach more people. And the other side of that one is the uh, barriers that Satan builds in our life with finances. Just like we're talking about risk. There's risk in giving that money up. There is risk in letting things go. When God tells you, okay, give that last dollar. Right? That's scary. Because we need that to live. We need that to support our families. Nobody knows that better than me. It's scary. But when we trust God enough to let him have brain and let him do it, we're going to be blessed for it. In fact, he even tells us to test him in that one. But when we give and open ourselves up, he's going to move in a great and mighty way. And you're going to see from answering your call what God's going to do. And you're going to be so uplifted from it, so energized like I am right now, that you just want to go back out there and do 10 times more work to see even more of the reap, even more of the harvest, even more come back to the glory of God. Amen? Now, as far as this call goes, God is calling each and every one of us, right? He has a purpose for us. If he didn't have a purpose for us, then as soon as we got saved, he could have just taken us to heaven, right? He didn't need us to leave us here on earth just twiddling our thumbs, you know, He has something for each and every one of you to do in your life. Now, for men, we have an extra burden to bear, especially as husbands and fathers. Because if we neglect our call, if we neglect listening to God, that's not just going to impact us. It's going to impact our wives and our children. God wants us as men to invite our families along on the adventure with us as we have accepted the invitation to the adventure with God. As he calls us, 
we bring our family along and we call them. And through that, God is multiplying his church, multiplying his workers. If you never answer the call in your life, if you never step out and risk, if you only have a safe, boring salvation, men, do you expect your children to have anything else? Do you expect your wife to do anything else but be a safe, boring Christian? I mean, what is it that we want for our kids, really? Do we want our kids to just play it safe and make it by and make it to heaven? Oh, they made it by the skin of their teeth, but they made it. Or do, yeah, it's funny, but it's how we are, isn't it? We, what we re- should want is we should want them to become workers of God. We should want them to be doing healings, praying over the sick, being the leaders of the future. That's what we should want. <clears throat> Now, as we said, an adventure involves risk. And we see the risk. I want to take you to uh, 2 Corinthians 11, where Paul, in verse 22, Paul is talking about... Now, when he's talking here in Corinthians, there have been some false teachers and some doubters in his ministry. And he's addressing that. And he's telling people what he has been through. He's sharing his testimony. Because when people see what we have allowed ourselves to go through on behalf of God, they understand how committed we are. So, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and nakedness. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. Just hold it right there. So, that's a lot, right? I mean, I don't want to face that. That's a lot. But God was there for him every time, wasn't he? He kept him going. And look at what the ministry of Paul did. Look at what his willingness to be used by God has done. And most of us are not going to be called to this level of sacrifice. Most of us, God's just wanting us to open our mouth to the person who's next door to us at work who's crying, who's going through hardship, right? Most of us, just want, God just wants us to, to be involved at church a little bit more, to to sacrifice some overtime and, and get down to church, 
are to maybe be a little uncomfortable and go up and sing on the worship team or maybe be a little uncomfortable and teach a class. I mean, these risks are small by comparison. They're not small to us because we have those fears. But if we think about it, we're blessed that we don't have to go to these extremes because people like Paul have done it for us. Amen? Yeah, I, I just, I praise God for everything he's done in my life and for the opportunity to see the things that I've seen in these lives. When, when I first heard God calling me out of the army and I, I feel like he has called me to, to ministry, which he's called most of us to ministry in one way or form. You know, I had in my head what I thought that was going to be like. I didn't think it was going to be like this, you know. I didn't think it was going to be about camping and stuff like that. I enjoyed that stuff. I like it. But I thought God had more important things, or what I thought was more important things. But since I've come to understand that this is what God has me doing right now, and to commit myself to it completely, and to give myself to the ministry that God has called me to, I have seen salvations, I have seen healings, and I have seen baptisms in the Holy Spirit. And that's God. I mean, I was just a willing vessel. If not me, somebody else would have stepped up. But because I was willing, God was able to use me and allowed me to see this stuff. And I know that if you will open yourself up to whatever it is God is asking you to do, whatever that dangerous step is that God is having you to take, maybe it's not losing or quitting your job. It probably isn't. But whatever it is, he's calling it to you. So... If I could have someone come forward to begin playing some music. What I'd like to do as I start drawing this to a close is I'd like to open up the altars. And I want each and every one of you to ask yourself this question. Are you living the adventure? Are you answering the call to adventure that God has called you to? Is church for you just boring and safe? Is that what you want it to be? Do you want to just be boring and safe? There is excitement in the risk. There's excitement in seeing what God wants to do. And if you are here today and you think that you have been putting up barriers, preventing yourself from answering uh, God's call, preventing yourself from doing what God would have you do, I would ask you to take that first step into risk and come to this altar and let us pray with you. All right? And we'll have the prayer team come forward and pray with you. And if there's anyone here today who does not know the love of Jesus, who has not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, who has found out today that Jesus died on the cross and has paid the price for your sins and is going to call you on an amazing adventure to live for him, now is your opportunity to come forward as well and pray with us and know God. So I'm going to close this in prayer. And after I do, please come forward. We'll pray with you. If you want to pray at your seats, that's fine. And then you'll be dismissed. But just, just know that God wants more than just the safe, same old, ordinary, boring church service. He wants you to do amazing and mighty things because he loves each and every one of you. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, 
I lift up your holy name. I praise you and I glorify you and I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and for every person that's here. And I ask you, Lord God, that you would just give an opportunity to any who are not saved to accept you and to follow you, Lord. I ask you that you would touch the hearts of every single person here. Let them see the adventure that you're calling them to. Let them see the barriers that they have in their lives that they need to break down right now so that they can answer the call that you have on their lives, so they can follow the road that you are setting before them. And let them be brave and courageous, knowing that you are there for them and you love them. And as we go back out to our jobs, to our schools, to our routines of the week, Lord, let us remember these words to live the adventure and to be on the lookout for openings that you are going to create for us to minister to others, to build relationship with those who are lost, to love on others, to bless others, to pray for others, and to be used by you to build your kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen.